Hello and welcome to series four, episode three of Dad Educates Daughter. And we are on male solaris of the 80s. And this week, Rebecca Hatt, David Bowie, Will Downing, Paul Simon, F.R. David, Richard Marks and Glenn Medeiros. So let's now talk to Rebecca and see how she found them. Hello. Hello, Dad. First off, I never know how to pronounce David Bowie. I always say Bowie. It could be Connor Bowie, it could be Bowie. Well, Connor tells me Bowie, and I'm like, okay, it's Bowie then. But I always say Bowie because it has a W in it. Who knows? Who knows with the English language? Um, so I'm going to start off. Do you remember last week? Obviously, we had... Sir Cliff and then the little ones and I didn't like Sir Cliff but liked everyone else and I recognised a lot of the songs from everyone else uh -huh. I had a similar thing this week and I'm loving it like they're actually like good songs as well um like these little people that I don't know why they didn't do any better so I've been loving that um it's been very different type of music this week like David Bowie on his own he can do what he wants but then everyone else kind of had a nice calming aura around them um so yeah it's been it's been different and i've struggled yeah. with genres this week because i'm like mm, i don't know what you could be because it's calm so like i've not known where to put them because they're definitely going to be some sub genre or something um so yeah but um also number ones i am guessing i think bowie's been around for a fair few years before we passed um like before the 80s i think he came about so i want to say in his time he probably had a fair few amount of um number ones but for the 80s i'm going with four for him and i reckon i've listened to one more by paul simon okay so, so you're going for five five altogether four from bowie one from paul simon so with um bowie i'll let you know so we can see if i'm right as well Okay. Um, I've gone. I can't remember when we did Queen, so I've gone for Under Pressure, but I can't remember whether that was the number one. So my memory's not helping me out here. So I've gone for that one. Let's dance, Modern Love, and Dancing in the Street. Okay, you have listened to five number ones. Okay, but. I've got the number right, but am I right with the songs? I doubt it. I'm rubbish if I'm the number ones. We shall see. Okay. You 80s lot do not agree with me. Let's talk music. Let's talk David Bowie or Bowie, depending yeah. on how you want to pronounce it. Yeah. I've always said Bowie, personally. Go with Bowie. I can go with Bowie. Um, so I've gone for electropop art rock okay. if that's a genre and he's got to be part of the new romantic scene he's got to be like if he's not then i don't know why that exists because he's like he's got to be like the epitome of it shortly um i thought so obviously i've heard of him i always have like i've never really listened to his music i thought he was more of a rock artist so his music's not really down rock as i'd say so that was quite expected um and 
he's got some really good music and by that i mean like the actual soundtrack to the songs but the lyrical mm -hmm. part of the songs there's not much content in a lot of them you don't get much from him um he has got he's a very talented singer like he's got a range of vocals there um and like when he's done a song with mick jagger and a song with queen you can see different vocals and also right towards the end he did some proper singing he's got a very deep voice um but yeah i think he's very talented he likes to play around with his outfits and one thing that i didn't see in the videos was the lightning bolt that he's known for painted on his face so i want to know where that came from because was that before the 80s after the 80s because it didn't really make but also i he didn't really make videos there weren't many videos to be fair to even go off um one thing that i did like on an album artwork of one of his greatest hits it was best of bowie it was called um it's amazing so it's like a it's his face but it's like abstract in a sense so you've got like a rectangle for one eye from like it must be from one picture of him and like it's him through the years so like loads of mm -hmm. different pictures make up his face it's really cool because like you can see like the young him and the lightning bolt comes in there so it must be from different album artwork i'm not sure but it was really cool um and i think he got better with age like in all retrospects so. okay so david bowie is from brixton london england oh yeah he's been active in the music business since 1962 Okay, so yeah, I thought he was only 70s, but he's way before. So his genre is art rock, glam oh. rock, mm. pop, and electronic. But you're right, he's also part of the new romantic scene okay, I was gonna at say. the big, very beginning. Yeah. Um, so he was actually born David Robert Jones. Oh, so where'd the Bowie come from? So he formed his first band, the Conrads, with a K, in 1962 at the age of 15. Wow, young. Uh, he played guitar. Uh, sorry, the, the, the group was playing guitar-based rock and roll at local youth gatherings and weddings. So while at school in 1962, he received a serious injury when his friend George Underwood punched him in the left eye during a fight over a girl. God. After a series of operations during a four-month hospital, during four months where he was actually hospitalised, his doctors determined that the damage could not be fully repaired and Bowie was left with faulty depth perception, which is a permanently dilated pupil, which gives the false impression of a change of iris colour. Oh, uh, suggesting, suggesting he had one iris of a different colour to the other. And this later became one of Bowie's most recognisable features. I did not notice this. No, he's known for having a brown eye and a blue eye. No, but like I say, there weren't videos. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't really see. Oh, well, yeah, should have, you should have seen a video for Ashes to Ashes. Yeah, but I didn't um, see it. Despite their altercation, Bowie remained on good terms with Underwood, 
who himself went on to create the artwork for Bowie's earlier albums. Uh, oh, wow. So that's really good. Staying with yep. me. Wow. Considering what he did, blue neck. Yeah. So the Conrads had various lineups between four to eight members. And it was when Bowie left his left school the following year that he informed his parents of the intention to become a pop star. So we're talking 1963. Yeah. Um, Bowie eventually left the Conrads due to his frustrations at his bandmates' limited aspirations and joined another band, the King Bees. Bowie even wrote to the newly successful washing machine entrepreneur John Bloom, inviting him to do for us what Brian Epstein had done for the Beatles. Blue, however, Bloom did not respond, but did refer him to Dick James, his partner Leslie Conn, who became Bowie's first personal manager. Um, thing he do for the Beatles? What was he trying to get him to do? Uh, Brian Epstein right, was their manager and made them big. Right, obviously. right, okay, okay, all right. So he wanted a manager. To, Why did he go do... into a washing machine, man? Money, obviously. He was an entrepreneur making money. Uh, yeah, okay, oh. all right, yeah, I'm following. So you invest, it's like be, it's, you were their manager, but you were investing in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Con quickly began began promoting Bowie and his debut single, Lisa Jane. And this is uh, he's not with that band anymore then? Yeah, he's still with the King Bees, but, yeah. Right, okay. But he's obviously the one lead. It's like David like Bowie the with the King Bees. Yeah, okay. Um, which actually I'm coming to. So um, Con started um, promoting uh, the debut single, Lisa Jane, um, which is credited as Davy Jones with the King Bees. Um, however, it was not a commercial success. Oh, he's not even got Bowie yet. He's still dead. No, no. Oh. So Bowie soon left the King Bees and joined the Manish Boys, another blues outfit who incorporated folk and soul. Bowie later recalled at this time, I used to dream of being Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones. So Manish, Manish Boys um, did a cover of Bobby Bland's I Pity the Fool. Um, however, this was no more successful than Lisa Jane. And Bowie soon moved on, this time with the lower third. Oh, so blues gone through some bands. Yeah. A blues trio who were strongly influenced by The Who. Oh, okay. So Roger Daltrey. Um, You've Got a Habit of Leaving was their single. However, it fared no better and signalled the end of Con's contract with Bowie. So, Leslie Con, who was his personal manager, he's gone through three, three bands, three had bands. three releases and got nowhere. Yeah. So, Bowie found a new manager, Ralph Horton who helped secure a contract with Pi Records. And publicist Tony Hatch signed Bowie on the basis that he wrote his own songs, 
also dissatisfied with Davy Jones, which could get confused with the mid sixties uh, in the mid, which could get confused in the mid because we're in the mid sixties. Yeah. Um, with Davy Jones of the Monkeys. So, so Bowie took uh, to the stage name of David Bowie after the 19th century American pioneer James Bowie and the knife he had popularized, the Bowie knife. Okay. His first release under Bowie was in January 1966, recorded with Lower Third, Can't Help Thinking About Me. However, it flopped like its predecessors. So guess what? God. Bowie departed Lower Third. Partly due to Horton's influence, Bowie released two more singles for Pie Records, Do Anything You Say and I Dig Everything. Is this both solo? Which, yeah, both which feature... Well, it's not. It's with a backing band, right. um, which I will come to. Both which featured a new band called The Buzz. Right. Around this time, Bowie also joined the Wyatt Squad, although their recording, which included one of Bowie's original songs, all went unreleased. Oh. So Horton introduced Bowie to Kenneth Pitt, who took over as Bowie's manager. His next release, The Laughing Gnome, in 1967, became Bowie's first solo single on which um, it was speeded up and a high-pitched vocals were used to portray the gnome. It failed to chart. Oh, God. He's not had much luck in his early days. <laughs> There's uh, me. Like, he must have... He's going to have a few number ones under his belt before the 80s. <laughs> I mean, he's not doing very well in the 60s, so... Um, but he never gave up, did he? Kept going. Yeah. Released six weeks later, his debut album, David Bowie, which was an amalgam, um, amalgam, amal, why do I write words that I can't say? It was an amalgam of pop, psychedelic and musical, which is a type of British theatrical entertainment. Um, However, the album met the same fate as the singles. And oh, it didn't. God. It flopped. It didn't chart. And it would be Bowie's last release for two years. I mean, I so, don't believe him. He's probably, has he been releasing like every year at the moment, not got anywhere? Yeah. Need to take a step back. So when Bowie returned, it marked the beginning of Bowie's working relationship with producer Tony Visconti which would last pretty much until the end of his career, apart from little gaps in between. Yeah. His composition, Over the Wall We Go, became a 1967 single for Oscar, also known as Paul Nicholas, from Just Good Friends. So he's now... so. Even though he's taken two years out of doing it, he's still writing songs for yeah, he's like still he, writing songs, but for others. Because this is still not, even though he released his single The Laughing Gnome in nineteen sixty seven, he then took two years out. Yeah. He's still writing songs for other people, but yeah, he's just stepped back himself. Yeah. 
Mm. So hence this was released in 1967, as I say, by Oscar, otherwise known as Paul Nicholas, who was a big 80s TV star in Just Good Friends. While Silly Boy Blue was released by Billy Fury the following year. Playing acoustic guitar, Hermoyne Farthingale formed a group with Bowie and guitarist John Hutchinson called Feathers between September 1968 and early 1969. The trio gave a small number of concerts after the group's breakup. Bowie moved in with Farthingale as her lodger. In February and March 1969, Bowie undertook a small tour with Mark Boland's Trianosaurus Rex or T-Rex. With a dinosaur? No, that they're called T-Rex, Tyrannosaurus right, Rex. Okay, T-Rex. That's okay. the group. Mark Bolan is the... Okay. Mark Bolan was the original new romantic or glam walk stroke. Right. I was going to so, say, like, are you lot all right having a blooming dinosaur? A T-Rex. Okay. So that's the band. Yeah, T-Rex is the band, but Mark Bolan was a big star. Right. He's actually, he was, he lived in Wimbledon. So. Okay. Right, okay. So, so yes. Local, yeah. Um, anyway. So Pitt attempted to introduce Bowie to a large audience with the Love You Till Tuesday film, which actually went unreleased until 1984. So he got him into films. Yeah. But the film he went starred in didn't, didn't get, get didn't released. get released until 1984. And we're talking and in the 1960s. Like, <laughs> and his career's like you'd think that would want to make him get noticed when actually yeah. by the time that released, he's already up there. Yeah. So feeling alienated over his unsuccessful career, Bowie wrote Space Oddity, a tale about a fictional astronaut named major tom the song earned him a contract with mercury records and its uk subsidiary phillips records who issued space oddity on the 11th of july 1969 five days ahead of the apollo 11 launch which obviously was the american space flight that landed the first humans on the moon, the moon. armstrong and buzz uh, I've forgotten his name, Aldridge, Buzz, Snope. Uh, anyway, yeah, Neil Armstrong and Buzz. And there, I think there was a third one as well, but yeah. yeah so the first man on the moon. But Space Oddity was released five days before and was about a fictional astronaut called Major Tom, which you must have heard that song. Buzz Aldrin. Um, no. Major Tom. No. Space Oddity is a song, but it's about Major Tom. You need yeah. to, you, you need, that when we, I'll, I'll give you some it. songs you need to I'll listen to going forward. Um, so, as I say, that song earned him a contract. It yeah. reached the top five in the UK, and it would be Bowie's first and last hit for three years. Bowie's second album was released in November 1969 and was originally issued in the UK as David Bowie, which caused some confusion with his debut album of the same name, mm. 
whereas the US release was called Man of Words, Man of Music. And in 1972, the album was reissued internationally as Space Oddity. Blooming it, that's not confusing, is it? Oh, if you've got a copy of the original David Bowie second album, mm. it's probably worth quite a bit because... It's not known as that. And now. if you have the first album, which didn't actually sell that many, the original, I'm mm. sure you can pick them up these days as a re-release, but... If you had the original, you imagine having two David Bowie albums called David Bowie, but they're different. Yeah. And then actually one of them doesn't even exist as that because it's been like re... What's it renamed? Yes. So here's the answer to your question. In 1972, mm. a very good year, may I add. Because you were born. <laughs> Dressed in striking costume and red hair, Bowie launched his Ziggy Stardust stage show with the Spiders for Mars backing band. The show was hugely popular, catapulting Bowie to stardom as he toured the UK over the next six months. His fifth album, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars was more of a glam rock sound with single Starman, which was released before the album, cementing Bowie's breakthrough in the UK. So it took him five albums to really get him going. And yeah. is Ziggy Stardust like a persona then? Yeah, yeah. Right. It's, it's his... like an alternate... alternate... What well, already it? David Bowie is not David Bowie. That's a stage name. Whereas the Ziggy Stardust was like an alter ego. That's it. An like, alter ego. Like, um, Lily Savage was yeah, to Paul uh, O'Grady. Gra- yeah. Um, Dame Edna Everidge to Brian Humphreys. Well, obviously these yeah, are singers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he he had a Sasha alter ego. But it was more of a, a stage show. That he took as he I say four to six months so with yeah. the stage show but yeah. it was a music I suppose a musical stage show but I suppose it comes back to he was into this theatrical stuff so as I said earlier he's one of his he's albums done, like, the, the, was like um, I said it was pop psychedelic and music hall and I had to look up music hall I've never come across it and it's a type of British theatrical entertainment so he was into yeah. that anyway yeah and so he's like, he's, he obviously tried, dabbled in a bit of film and TV yeah. anyway, didn't he? So, and obviously yeah. he's already, with his first single, or his first major hit single, he sort of had a character in that, because Major Tom was this... Mm, this thing, this uh, song that he... Fictional astronaut. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so Ziggy Stardust, but the again, like Space Oddity... Um, is Starman is definitely a, a single you need to listen to if you like David Bowie, which we will find out later. So that's Space Oddity and Starman already from his earlier stuff, which you wouldn't have had, is definitely singles I recommend. So during the 1970s, Bowie would have 12 top 10 singles, of which eight charted in the top five, including his first Number one, with Space Oddity, which was re-released in 1975. 
So they re-released it. They released it. And it got to number so one. He released that before his Ziggy Stardust phase. And no, no, to... Ziggy Stardust was in the early seventies. Yeah, but so what I mean is Space Oddity was before. Yeah, Space yeah, Odyssey. the original Space Oddity was nineteen sixty-nine. Yeah. Got to number five. Where he's then done well, five as well, but where he's then pushed his career, done yeah, this through Siggy Stardust, yeah. then re-release yeah. Space Oddity, and it's yeah. obviously done 10 Well, Starman ago. got to number 10 in 1972 on the back of Siggy Stardust, and yeah. as I say, the, 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 the backing band of uh, the Spiders from Mars. And then um, he's had some other, as I say, he had 12 top 10 singles, um, and eight of them were in the top five. So you had the Gene Genie in 1972, that got to number two. You had Drive In Saturday, that got to number three in 1973. You had Life on Mars, that also got to number three in 1973. He re-released The Laughing Gnome oh, in 1973, and it got to number six. Okay. Bearing in mind, it didn't even chart the first time. No. Sorrow was also released in 1973. That got to number three. Rebel Rebel in 1974 got to number five. And then Knock on Wood in 1974 got to number 10. And then 1975, Space Oddity 1975, because obviously it's a re-release, got to number one and became his first number one. And while you were saying that, some of those songs that you're saying, like Life on Mars... They're the ones that I recognise. I don't think I'd know it, but I recognise the um, title. So would you say he was bigger in the 70s than he was in the 80s? Oh, yeah. I would definitely say he was his his peak. Yeah. Although I will will contradict myself because I have actually written his peak was in the 80s. Personally, I say the, the 70s. But we'll we'll carry on with what I'm saying, and we'll you'll, you'll see. So, so yeah. So, um, although one of his better known hits, "Heroes," in 1977, only charted at number twelve, even though his previous single, just before that, "Sound and Vision," charted at number three. As I said, "Laughing Gnome" was also re-released in 1973. That charted at number six, and then as the music changed in 1980. So did Bo- Bowie, and that was the good thing about Bowie. He's changed. He's gone from rock. He's gone to glam rock, and now he's going into, as we know, the eighties of electronic and that. Yeah, I could definitely uh, hear wave. the electronic. In so, um, Ashes to Ashes um, was his new wave sound, which included four members of the influential London Blitz Club in the video, which included Steve Strange of Visage and the owner of Blitz Club. Um, from the rising new romantic movement. So he saw this movement was starting to to, to hit off. Yeah, and it was happening in Birmingham. It was happening in London, as we know. So you had Duran Duran, obviously in Birmingham, starting it, and obviously you had Spandau Ballet, Visage, and Mm. everything else. And the people that were going to the clubs, the Blitz Club, uh, obviously was probably the biggest one, were all going there dressed up. David Bowie realised this and got in on the act. 
Ah. And he actually was probably the one of the first, if not the first, to v- release a video with the different the dressing up. So if you yeah. watch Ashes to Ashes, you've got a, a clown, you've yeah. got um, a priest or whatever. It. You know, he's got the, yeah. the, the, got the, the things that, that people were wearing at that time yeah. to the clubs, you yeah. know. And as I say, they were called the New Romantics. So he was definitely at the forefront, if not, he wasn't, the, obviously, he, the, he he wasn't a pioneer, well, he was a pioneer as in, but he wasn't the person who, who first done it. You know, you could even say that was Steve Strange, a yeah. visage. But he saw the movement before anyone else, you know, obviously, you know, Boy George obviously was a, a much yeah. probably a better well known one, but much later but on. I don't I don't know, you know, because it's like, yes, we know of like Boy George and everyone, but I I mean I don't know the chronological order, but it's like, yes, I know of Boy George, but David Bowie for me, you know him with like But first of the, all you as I said about the, the first one I mean, obviously, you had the person who we don't mention anymore because of his, you know, um, paedophilia. Um, but you also had Mark Bolan as well on top of him. So the glad, yeah. it's a, you know, uh, Gary Glitter. Oh, um, so okay. Gary Glitter was yeah, probably yeah. the first glam yeah. rock. Oh, yeah, um, but obviously, that. Mark Bolan, he was the first one probably dr- wearing the the you know the the clothes and that i would say and obviously he was an influence of david bowie as we know he toured with t-rex but for me like so you know it because you lived it whereas like for me if i like knowing these big people like i've heard of david bowie i've heard of boy george you know like all the ones that have made an impact the people that were the pioneers aren't the most well known for it do you know what i mean no, no, so, like, I mean, as I say, Steve Strange and Visage yeah, were probably like, the, the yeah, first. Yeah, but it's like I didn't know who he was until yeah. I started doing this with you and you started teaching me all of this. Mm. Um, like, I didn't even know what New Romantics was. But when you look at the 80s and you think of, like, the people that were a bit more outlandish with their outfits, you do you you think of the David Bowie and the Bowie George. And when you think of the two big Bowie. bands, Duran Duran and Spandau, they were New Romantics. Yeah. You know, and even Culture Club to a degree. Oh, yeah. You know, they took it a bit, or oh, Boy George so, took it that that. that but I think further, Boy but, George's sexuality took it further. Yeah, that's what I mean. His was obviously a bit more, um, he, took it? a bit further. Yeah, yeah. he weren't scared um, to But, you know, there was also, you know, you had Hazy Fantasy, yeah. um Bow Wow Wow, all they were all new romantics, you know. So um there was certainly it, but David Bowie was probably the first to um I don't know where Nashy Slashes came out compared to Visage Fade to Grey, but it'd have been it'd have been close. And obviously you had Spanda Ballet with the story so far, I think was their first one. I can't remember Duran Duran's, but you know, that, that you'd have had all those. So you had the you had the um the synth pot or the electronic music going on uh, with yeah. Ultravox, OMD, obviously the model with um, yeah. uh, I've got a new sang it now. The model, um, um, uh, the Germans, it, the originals. Kraftwerk. 
Craftwork, thank you. I've forgotten their name. Um, obviously, yeah, Gary Newman, you know, so you had the electronic side and then you had the new romantics, which were the more not not as electric, you know, still were still you know electronic, but they were they were not as hard. Like the videos as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um he used the people from the Blitz Club, as I say, four members, in the video of Ashes to Ashes, which brought it into the new romantics. Mm. Um, Bowie reached his peak of popularity and commercial success in 1983 with the release of Let's Dance, his 15th studio album. Um, the album was released on the back of his Christmas single, Peace on Earth, Drummer Boy which is one song but two songs yeah yeah i found that because yeah. when i typed it in it was a, a yeah yeah it's, it's yeah um uh which was with bing crosby who obviously was a big star in the 50s yeah so i didn't know i mean i could just say this when you're going through it but may as well while you're going on it but i didn't know he that bowie was in with these songs i only knew of bing crosby yeah yeah. So um, it was actually recorded five years earlier in 1977, a month before Bing Crosby's death in October 1977, and would have been one of Bing Crosby's final recordings. So it was recorded for his final TV show. Actually. And um, David Bowie sang it with Bing Crosby. And as I say, they'd done Peace on Earth. That then went into become drummer boy yeah um and um yeah it was it wasn't released whether it was, it was delayed because of Bing Crosby's death I don't know the reasons why but it wasn't released for another five years after they'd done it and by this time as I say Bing Crosby had died because oh, he died he died literally as I said um a month after he'd recorded it oh bless him so the album's three release singles all reached the top three in the UK charts. So Let's Dance, uh, China Girl and Modern Love. Oh. So yes. So Bowie's last Tom top ten hit would be 1993's Jump, they say, which peaked at number nine. So during the 80s, Bowie's acting career saw him play Jareth, the villainous Goblin King in Labyrinth. Good film. Never seen Labyrinth. Yeah. I've heard it's a good film, though, but yeah, I've never seen it. Um, in 1984 and 2014, he won the British Male Solo Artist at the Brit Awards. And in 2006, he won a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Grammys. I mean, you've got to have that Lifetime Achievement Award if you know how he started out. That's an yeah. achievement in itself. So Bowie died of liver cancer in his New York City apartment on the 10th of January 2016. He had been diagnosed 18 months earlier but did not go public with his condition. During his career in the UK, he had five number ones, 25 top 10 hits, and 63 top 40 hits. So he had 63 top 40, of which 25 were in the top 10, and of which five were number ones. Wow. 
Mad. Mad. Very. So for me, some of the songs, as, as we've, you know, said that you didn't listen to because they weren't 80s, that I yeah. would definitely say you should listen to. Definitely Space Oddity, his first number one, and his first hit single. Yeah. Then you got Starman, also from the so Space Oddity from the nineteen sixties. Although it was a, it was released in nineteen sixty nine originally. Got to number five, although it did get to number one in the seventies. Starman, which was his song, as I said, from nineteen seventies. Um, I would also say from the nineteen seventies, Heroes, um, which um, yeah, didn't mentioned. actually get in the top ten, but is a it should have. It's it's quite. You know, not great that that he didn't. But the song before it, another one I'd recommend, did get in the top five at number three, and that's Sound and Vision. That's Sound. another one I would definitely recommend that you uh, Sound listen to. and Vision. Sound and Vision, yeah, that's the name of the song. So there's four songs there. I would definitely say to you, go and listen if you liked David Bowie. If you didn't, then... Well, I'd even say if you didn't like him, because if you listen to these, you may... Because these are obviously different music before mm. the 80s. Yeah. But let's now talk about his 80s songs, because let's be honest, he did I have some 22. good songs. 22. And I'm going to be honest, there's what? One, two, three, four that I really like. Are you a David Bowie fan? Um, it's funny... I'm I'm not because I just see him as glam rock, and it's not until doing this I realised how many of his songs I actually like. I mean, I've always liked Ashes. Ashes to Ashes is my favourite song of his. It is eighties. It really is, and I love it. But you know, um, Heroes I've always liked. I'm surprised that flopped. But uh, yeah, Sound and Vision I listen to obviously. Space Oddity, but uh, the one the one that I that I've really started to like. I mean, I've always liked China Girl and Modern Love as well, but the one that I've really, yeah, fashion. And oh. again, that is another really, I mean, it, them Ashes and Ashes, Ashes to Ashes and Fashion were both released around the same time, or, you know, not, not much. And yeah, those, those, those two are probably my favourites. Okay. So you said he had four number ones. You'll have to remind us um, of those five, four songs. Under Pressure, Let's Dance. Modern Love. Modern Love. Yeah, and Dancing in the Street. Oh, yes. Okay. So 1980, Alabama Song. That got to number 23. Okay, I thought, I think that one was better than 23. It's got a good beat, and I can't remember the beat. But I've written down do 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 do, and it's not do 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 do. But it's, it's got a good beat. Um, it's not what I was expecting from him. But it, and it takes a minute to get into it. Do you know what? The only thing that creeps me out is like a creepy theme tune. But I like it. I like it. It was a good start. Okay. Nineteen eighty. Ashes to ashes. What a song. And it deserved to be number one. Fun. Number one, Ashes to Ashes. Oh, yeah. All and right. the video, I didn't mention this, it's considered one of Bowie's best videos of all time. Okay. I can see why the video is considered one of his best best videos. It was a good video. But as for the song, it's quite slow. It's got a good beat again. 
not a fan of his actual voice. It's just, I don't know, it's not up there for me. Really? Uh, yeah, when you've been talking about it, I'm like, mm, it's not the best. Number like, one. Better than that. Okay, what about the next one then? As I say, I, yeah. 1980 fashion number five yeah mm, see not much to this one see you you when you were saying these i was like don't show dad my reactions because i disagree <laughs> it's just a repetitive not much to it song it's not got much going for it if i'm honest diddly do fashion do do fashion yeah, oh it's a good song no, no. Okay, 1981, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps, number 20. Okay, um, very, quite instrumental. Um, and again, not much to it. It's just like the song, like, this is what I mean. When I was talking about when I opened up, lyrically, his songs aren't up there. And there's not much in them until later. Okay, 1981 still, Up the Hill Backwards, number 32. Oh, see, this one I quite enjoyed. It's a bit of a head bopper. The only thing that is a downside about it is I can't tell if it's him or if it's more backing singers that are actually singing the majority of it. So that lets it down because I don't think it was, it weren't just fully him. Like, there was definitely support and you could tell the support. 1981, Under Pressure with Queen. And as you say, it did get to number one. Okay, I did think. So this is obviously a classic, great song, upbeat, love it. The only thing is, love it for Queen, not for David Bowie, because for David Bowie, Freddie Mercury carries it, not him. So it's like, it's Queen, not him. At the moment, I'm not feeling a love for David Bowie from you. This is going to be another Cliff Richard. <laughs> 1981, Wild is the Wind, number 24. Okay, now this one shows off his vocals. I really did start to love his vocals in here, but it's a bit of an in-the-background song. It's not, I don't know, it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't give itself much. Okay. 1982, Bows Him, which was an EP. I gave you the, the, the title track, Bows Him, to listen to, uh, and that got to number 12. Well, the, the EP got to number 29. Right. Weird. Like, it's like, how do I describe it? It's like a, not gospel, choir, orchestra, hymn type thing. It's just a bit weird. Like, it doesn't fit in with any of his other stuff. That's probably why it didn't. I mean, it's still got in the top 30. Yeah, it can stay there. Um, I'll be honest, I've never even heard of it, so. It's weird. Um, 1982, Cat People Putting Out Fire, number 26. Now, I enjoyed this one. It's got a bit more rock to it, which surprised me for me to enjoy it. I like the harsher tones in it and his deep voice. Like, yeah, there was a bit more going on with it, like the beat, the lyrics, just everything, and it all flowed well together. Okay. Now we move on. Oh, still 1982. And um, as we've already said, five years after it was recorded, the Christmas um, release with Bing Crosby of Peace on Earth, Drummer Boy, number three. Oh, okay. It's beautifully done, isn't it? And he's got a beautiful voice in it. But like I say, I didn't know he did it. So for me, it's a Bing Crosby song, not him. So I think that okay. lets him down. 
1983 and this is when i suppose yeah he was at his peak although for me the 70s were um as is as a, as a collective the 70s but as one song on its own and what david bowie is probably more although space oddity but yeah this one obviously ziggy stardust space oddity and all that star man but this one song especially in the 80s when obviously music was a hell of a lot more commercial you know you've got mtv and everything so probably let's dance is what he is known for and yes it was number one this was the first one that i actually really knew like obviously i knew peace on earth and i knew um under pressure but of just him this is the first song that i was like i do know a Bowie song so yeah great song upbeat it's different from his other stuff like it's more catchy it's more fun so more up my street weren't my favorite though one of my favorites now 1983 china girl number two okay this had a lot more singing in it and it's actually about someone like it's 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 just got a bit more context to it the video was it weren't bad it was a bit odd though okay so then we have a re-release of space oddity and you didn't give me mind it got to number five in the 60s got to number one in the 70s yeah David Bowie is really big now, obviously, after Let's Dance, number one, China Girl, number two. Yeah, yeah. He releases Space Oddity again. He got to nine. He got to number 85. Shut up. Oh, no. bless him. Should have left so, it in the 70s. So there you go. It just shows you how the music has changed. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't follow with the... No. Um, and then um, 1983, Modern Love was released. Um, another good one and again going on the back of Let's Dance and China Girl obviously yes Space Oddity in between which has been number one but as I say it was a flop in the 80s Modern Love got to number two this is my favourite it is a good song right up my street like it's catchy it's got so much going on like, I love it it's a great one like Let's Dance China Girl Modern Love yeah, those three, perfect. Okay. I'm really glad that were number one. 1984, Blue Jean, number six. Okay, this one gets you moving. There's not much content to it. Like, it, it's quite simple, but it does the job. Like, it's a, it's a good piece of music. Mm-hmm. Okay. 1985 this is not america number 14. nah this was awful this is down there with my least favorites it's way too slow it's horrible 1985 loving the alien number 19. the lyrics in this very odd thing to sing about but it is quite catchy like you get yeah you can't help it catch yourself singing to it i must say okay now the next song bearing in mind back in what 1968 69 i think it was i said when, this when he was with the manish boys he used to dream of being mick jagger so and lo and behold in the 1980s he got to sing with mick jagger 
Isn't that in a single called Dancing in the Street? Not only did he get to sing with him, it got to number one. And it got another one right. So I didn't know he did this one, so I recognise this one. But again, like Queen, Mick Jagger carried this one. Like it's not really a David Bowie song. It's Mick Jagger. Ooh. But, you know, hats off to him getting to sing with like his dream musician like that. Yeah, like, well, yeah. I'd just, I'd go, I'd die happy with that, wouldn't you? And the fact it got to number one. But then, you know, yeah. I mean, when you've got those two. And like, yeah, big names, it's going to, yeah. like, oh, let's see what they've got up together and everyone's going to go buy it. Because you've yeah. got your Mick Jagger um, fans and your David, David Bowie fans. And-, and what people may not realise, it was actually written by Marvin Gaye. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a great song. Um, initially released in 1964. Oh, so By Martha and the Vandellas. Yes, oh, been, re- been released quite a few times. The Kinks, the Mamas and the Pappas, Van Halen, Little Richard. So, yeah, quite a few. Yeah. 1986, Absolute Beginners, number two. Oh, okay. I forgot I did this until just now. And I've just remembered this is a beautiful song that I mm. also said it's a favourite. Like... So I bold my favourites so that I remember, and this is bold as well. Yeah. Oh, this song. is a beautiful song. Like, okay, I couldn't find a way to actually describe it apart from that it's beautiful. Okay. 1986, Underground, number 21. Work bad. Picked up as it went on. It's got a good beat to it. Like, it's got good music. 1987, Day In, Day Out, number 17. Right, so the video was weird because I started list, like watching the video, but I was listening to it through headphones, and I was like, why is there a baby crying? Because this, this isn't how I remember this song. Um, but the song's about, like, motherhood, I want to say, and, like, the day in a life kind of thing. Um, so I really like what it's about. And I think in this song is the best his voice has sounded. Also 1987, Time Will Crawl, number 33. Like, it gets this uh, synth back in there, I think. Bit of electronic in there. Uh, Gets you moving. Okay. And lastly, 1987, Never Let Me Down, number 34. Yeah. This was my least favourite. doesn't suit his voice at all. It was awful, if I'm honest. Okay, so that's David Bowie. So we had four number ones there. Ashes to Ashes, Under Pressure with Queen, Let's Dance, and Dancing in the Street with Mick Jagger. And I got three out of four of those correct. I got the, I got the amount right, but yeah. I said Modern Love, not Ashes to Ashes. I got yes. three out of four. Okay. That's quite good going, to be fair. Moving on to Will Downing. Yeah. So I said, obviously, I found it hard with genres this week. But with Will Downing, I've gone for jazz. Don't know, but I think there's something to do with that in there. Or like a soul type thing. I don't know. Um, 
it's the type of music, this is the only way I can describe it, it's the type of music that you just chill to and I feel like you could put it on and like proper whack out like your coursework or your paperwork or like, you know, like on your computer, like you wouldn't do your housework to it, but like you can do focus work to it. He's got a really soothing voice as well. Um, and he's quite a cool looking guy, dresses well. I feel like he like he's just effortless, I think. He's got a groove about him. Okay. So Will Downing is from Brooklyn, New York. He's been active in the music business since 1986. And he is R&B, soul and jazz. R&B. Oh, at least I've got soul and jazz, but R&B, yeah, yeah. So he was born Wilfred Downing. Um, he signed his first recording contract in 1988 with 4th and Broadway Records following his work on several other artists' albums, including Mariah Carey, Billy Joel, Billy Ocean, and Mika Paris. His first solo album, Will Downing, was released that same year with his version of John Coltrane's A Love Supreme. Reaching number four on the Billboard Hot Dance Club song chart. Downing switched to Ireland Records for his second album release, Come Together As One, which was released in 1989. Ireland also released his third album, 1991's A Dream Fulfilled. And by the time of his fourth album, 1993's Love's The Place To Be, Downing was with Mercury Records. Who would also release Downing's, who would then release Downing's fifth and sixth studio albums, Moods and Invitation Only, which were released in 1995 and 1997, respectively. Downing also released 22 studio albums, or sorry, has released 22 studio albums in total, with his last being in 2021 with his sophisticated soul. Although his last charting album was Soul Survivor in 2017, which charted at number 19 on the R&B hip-hop chart in the US. Would you say he's bigger in the US than he is Absolutely. I'll be honest, never heard of him. Okay. I can't remember how I ended up bringing him into it. Obviously, (laughs) it come up somewhere. And I went, oh. There's someone listened to his song. Oh, yeah, I remember this and added him in. But I'll be honest, I don't recall him at all. He's released an album this year. There you go. In February. So, yeah, he's still going, isn't he? Yeah. So, short and sweet that was on him. Um, mainly because he's, he's he didn't do much in, in England, really. He's not really well known. Um, had three singles over here, which I'll go through now. But also, you said that he didn't start until 86. I mean, when yeah, started, yeah, so he's very, very late. His first release was, he didn't sign his first contract until 1988. Yeah, so, so he's late starting. So he's yeah. probably a big 90s person. Actually, yeah. yeah, I can see him more of a 90s guy than an 80s guy with the type of music he's got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So 1988, A Love Supreme, as we said, a cover of uh, John Coltrane. Um, it got to number 14. Yeah. 
See, this was my favourite, but now I'm sad because it was a cover. Um, it's quite, it's calming, it flows well. It's a love song, and that's what I found with him. Like, his songs are quite similar. Um, 1988 still, In My Dreams, number 34. Mm, yeah, see, it's got the same feelings as the first one. Like, it's just another love song. And then 1989, Where Is The Love, a duet with Mika Paris, number 19. See, their voices work really well together. So if I would have known A Love Supreme was a cover, I would have gone with Where Is The Love as my favourite. But I do do really like A Love Supreme, not going to lie. Okay. Um, so... That was it for Will Downing, really. I haven't got a lot to say. As I say, he's obviously a big, big person in the UK, in, in the UK, in the US. Yeah. But he did have some, obviously, as we've just gone through, some hits. Um, not big hits, not top 10, not top 10, but, you know, he did have three or well, two top 20 and altogether three top 40s. We include everyone, so. So we move on to Paul Simon. Why'd you say it like that? He's a because you never hadn't heard of him. Hadn't heard of him. He's a big but, and star. I say I think I know who he is now. Uh-huh. Is he part of Simon and Garfunkel? Well done. Yeah, okay. So I think he's pop folk music. I think he's a subgenre of pop, not pop itself. Um you gave me so this week, instead of me going out and just listening to random songs dad actually sent me some songs like because of the limited amount that i have so dad gave me some anyway so the extra song i listened to for paul simon was graceland um long intro because i love that i love that song right so it's got a long intro it's very fast paced it is up there with my favorite like out of the obviously like you gave me three i've listened to that one I've got my favourite out of the three, but then it's Graceland. It is a really good song. I did enjoy it. Um, so there weren't many videos. Like, well, I only had three songs. Graceland, there weren't a video. It was just an album cover. Boy in the Bubble, there weren't a video. So I watched You Can Call Me Out and The Obvious Child. And when I watched You Can Call Me Out, I was like, oh, he's just a typical guy. Anyway, this other guy kept sitting down. and then he kept Oh, leaving. come on. That's a top... Right. Wait, film wait. star Chevy Chase. Wait a minute. No. Like, the one that was sat down. Was that him? That's Paul. Either... No. Paul Simon's no. one. Oh, I can't remember. No. The taller no. one is I Chevy Chase. Thought, right, yeah. So I thought the one that was like sat down constantly, the tall one, was Paul yes, Simon. That's Chevy like, oh, he's a well typical guy, blah blah blah. <laughs> then I watched a video for Obvious Child. I was like, guy weren't Paul Simon the one that kept getting off and leaving was Paul Simon um so yeah and I can't remember how I worked out that he's Paul Simon as in Simon and Garfunkel I think I like on a video there was like a comment and I was like oh my god is this him um I was like I'll just have to ask dad because I don't actually know what he looks like I just know Simon and Garfunkel um but yeah, so at first I thought, oh, he's just a chill guy. But no, that was the tall guy. But he is quite a chill guy, to be fair. He's just like a little, he just seems like this little guy that just does his thing and he just seems to enjoy what he's doing. Um, so yeah, short and sweet, to be honest. 
but also I did recognize the song so when you obviously said Paul Simon I was like mm, no but do you know how many times I've put on you can call me out like without you even giving me the great advice. song in it it's it, is. Oh, it got me to Paul song? Simon that and I I went out and I've got two of his albums which we funny enough I mention in here right. I bought I got them both and I just love Paul Simon I love oh, him. I do like Even him. No, his music no, is don't. so not the normal that I would like. No, it's got it's, little, you know. I it. I'm not, I've obviously heard of Bridge Over Troubled Waters, and obviously everyone knows about it um, with Simon and Garfunkel. But it's not something that really does anything for me. But mm-hmm. the both you can call me out the boy in the bubble, Graceland. I just love the whole but, but package. Before we've even done this and whatnot, I've listened to You Can Call Me Out, I don't know how many times before, even doing Dad Educates Daughter. Like, it is up, an up there song, and I don't even know how I know it. It's just, I think it's come up um, on, like, a playlist or something. So when you sent me that, yeah, I was very happy. Very happy with that, not going to lie. So, yeah, no. I wasn't sure if you'd like him. It's, you know... Um, it, as I say, because of the music, isn't I don't know. It, it, as I come into it, I'll explain what it is. But it is the way Paul Simon does it is brilliant. And as you can see, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's Graceland the album, album that I um had when listening to Graceland and Rhythm, the Rhythm of, the, of the Saints, ah. which has. Obviously, um, I thought it had the obvious child on it. Yes, the obvious child is on there. So, Paul Simon. Are the only two albums you got? They're the have only two got, albums of his, and they're. Have you got any Simon and Garfunkel albums? No, as I said, you, Paul, um, you're just a Paul Simon fan. I'm, I'm, I'm a Paul Simon fan. Right. Okay. So, Paul Simon is from Newark. New Jersey in the US. He's been active. Yeah, he's been active since 1956. Blue bit. He's old. His genre is rock, pop, and folk. Mate, so, I'm doing well. I nearly called you mate. You're my dad, but I'm doing <laughs> well good with these genres. I think you definitely taught me something. Like if we go back to series one, I was like, "Oh, it's a bit of this," and you were like, "No, it's this." Now look at me. Yeah. I know everything. Give me a genre test. So Paul Simon is seen as one of the most celebrated artists of the 20th century. That oh? is how big he is. Then why hasn't he got loads of songs and why don't I know his name? Like I said, I proper know You Can Call Me Out and I've been listening to that for donkey's years and I don't know how I, like, how I ever came across it. But why don't like, I? I can't well, tell I, you. I, you may, because it's always, always a song I would play. I love it. But also before today, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. You know me. I can be like, oh, yeah, I know this song. Didn't have a clue who sang it. Like mm. pretty standard for me. So it's like I didn't know. Paul Simon was a person who sang it. I just know that I'd like a song called You Can Call Me Out. I've never looked at who sung it. So it's like for him to be such a renowned music art, like artist, how have I never heard of him? Because he's not so big over here, obviously, apart from oh, in the yeah. 80s with those two. Mm. Well, 
80s stroke 90s early 90s and obviously he's mainly known for simon and garfunkel you got a member as well also true that was probably was that a big chunk even before my time really so is that a big chunk of his career yeah yeah right yeah so Simon began performing with his school friend Art Garfunkel in 1956, aged 15. The duo came to prominence as Simon and Garfunkel during the 1960s with their blend of folk and rock in hits such as The Sound of Silence, Mrs. Robinson, America and The Boxer. Their final album before disbanding, Bridge Over Troubled Water, in the ni- in 1970, is among the best-selling albums of all time. Really? So yeah. they were big then? Yeah. yeah. I had in my head that Simon and Garfunkel were like um, Stock Aitman and Waterman, like the producers, the behind-the-scenes, um, not no, actually no. like uh. singers. So yeah, I didn't know that they. That's what I didn't know. That's what they were. Proper singer musicians as well. They played music. They wrote music. They, they, wrote, they sang. You know. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Simon went on to write music for the film Shampoo, and acting as he was cast as Tony Lacey in Woody Allen's film Annie Hall. I've never heard of any of them. No, I can't. I mean, I've heard of Shampoo, but um, it's not one I've watched. Um, In 1980, Simon released his first studio album as a solo artist called One Trick Pony. After signing with Warner Brothers Records, it was named after the motion picture which Simon wrote and starred in, although it produced his last top 10 hit in the US with the single Late in the Evening. So all his 80s stuff that we're about to go to, they weren't they weren't big hits in the in America. His last big hit in America, or his last top ten, was late in the evening from his debut album. Oh. Um, the album did not sell well. Well, you we can kind of tell. So Simon and Garfunkel then toured in September 1981 and included eight songs from Simon's solo career, although at this time it's not that that big. Mm-hmm. Um And then in 1983, Simon released Hearts and Bones, a polished and confessional album um, that was eventually viewed as one of his best works, but it achieved the lowest sales of Simon's career. So his first two solo albums were not great um, commercial successes. Even though they are, or at least that one is quite obviously revered now as being actually, it was it wasn't appreciated at the time. I yeah, suppose. Like actually really good so in 1986, Simon was awarded an honorary Doctor of Music degree from Berkeley College of Music, and after we just pause, <laughs> why do Americans do this? Like, why do you get a doc- doctorate just for being a yeah. musician, like, without going to uni? Like, I don't yeah. understand it. It's I funny it's you say that, but, but there's a musician a bit later on that turns that completely on its head. Watch this space. Ooh. Funny you should say All it. Right. 
Um, so after okay. Simon was given a bootlegged, which is an unofficial released recording um, of Umbaganga, Kwanga. Um, it's a style of South African street music. He decided to oh. record an album oh. of South African music. So he traveled to, to Johannesburg where he recorded African musicians in early 1986. And then before leaving South Africa, Simon con contributed to We Are The World, We Are The People. Yeah, a charity single yeah, highlighting yeah, yeah. African yeah. famine at the time. So it was America's um, Do They Know It Chris It's Christmas. Because you think that was 85, no, it was yeah, eight, yeah, 85, yeah. this was 86. That was. Um, so the album yeah. born from his visit to South Africa was Graceland. It would become Simon's most successful studio album and his highest charting album in over a decade. It is estimated to have sold more than 16 million copies worldwide. Graceland also won the 1987 Grammy for Album of the Year. In 2006, the album was added to the United States National Recording Registry um, as culturally, historically or aesthetically important. So, but that's mad. So the album, amazing. The song didn't hit so it was an album good album rather than the singles okay. that were in it so yeah i mean you know you had on the graceland album which obviously i have in front of me you had graceland gum boots that's another good one um Dom yeah. diamonds on the sole of her shoes that is a good song actually uh you can call me owl um I thought the boy in the bubble was on it, but it's not. Oh yeah, no, the boy in the bubble is the first one on there. Yes, yeah. so the boy in the bubble, Graceland, you can call me oh, out. Okay. But yeah, diamonds on the sole of her shoes is another good one. Oh, um, there was. So we had two hits from it. Oh yeah, but it was really better as an album. album and I recommend it. Yeah. Um. So um. Although following the album's success, Simon was accused of breaking the boycott imposed at the time by the rest of the world against the apartheid, which is racial segregation. As we know, Mandela's in prison. You know, there's a lot of it going on. Um, cricket matches yeah. weren't happening. And obviously, as I say, there were people, English cricketers that went over there to play. Um who were then banned from yeah. playing for England and things like that. So it was a big thing, you know, and obviously, as we know, Simple Minds was a big band, obviously um, wrote songs about it, obviously one of them being Mandela Day. Um, so, yeah, Paul Simon yeah. got a lot of stick yeah, yeah. for going out there and high and in a sense glorifying South Africa, yeah. although he was... He wasn't because he was with the African musicians who were black. It wasn't the whites he was going over there with, which was mm. what the issue was with. Um, so, yeah, I understand yeah. it, but he done a lot of good for South Africa in a sense, especially the me, you know, he was highlighting the music. So, yeah, like he didn't, 
No, he didn't try and segregate them. He tried to. So yeah, but as I said, there was a, there was an apartheid due to the racial segregation regime in South Africa, and following Graceland, Simon then extended his um, roots with the Brazilian music flavored Rhythm of the Saints album. Uh, with the lead single, The Obvious Child, becoming his last top 20 hit in the UK. So, I didn't know this, but Paul Simon's ex-wife, the, cat, the actress Carrie Fisher. Now, I didn't know he was married to Carrie Fisher. So, Carrie Fisher is best known for playing Princess Leia in, Star, in the Star Wars movies. Um, and she yeah. said in her, obviously she's unfortunately passed yeah. now, but she said in her autobiography that the song yeah. She Moves On from the album Rhythm of the Saints is about her. She also said, if you can get Paul Simon to write a song about you, you do it because he is so brilliant at it. So, so the success of both Graceland and the Rhythm of the Saints allowed Simon to stage another New York concert on August the 15th, 1991, almost a decade after his concert with Garfunkel. Oh, wow. So that, so he didn't really do much in between. But like, obviously he no. was releasing stuff, but he didn't do Simon has since released then. a further seven studio albums, with the last being Seven's Arms in 2023. In 1987, Paul Simon won a Brit Award for International Artist of the Year. So is he still about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you had three songs of his. Um, and then I obviously did say, you know, you need to watch, you need to listen to Graceland. Um, mm-hmm. The reason you didn't have Graceland is it, um, I think it was a flop rather than it wasn't released. Um, I'm just double checking. I'm pretty sure it just didn't get into the top um, 40. I think it was released, just didn't um, do that well over here. Um, So Graceland was um, released in 1987. Also, actually, it's funny enough, one of the other ones I said about Diamonds in the Soul of Her Shoes was also released in 1987. Um, both on the back of You Can Call Me Out and The Boy in the Bubble, um, however, not as successful. So Diamonds in the Soldiers of Her Shoes got to number 77, while Graceland got to number 98. But it could be because people oh, by that wow. time had bought the album, bought the album and given them by the yeah, singles. Yeah. But the other two singles, yeah, you will find out, were much more successful. So 1986... You can call me Al. Now you said Paul Simon had a number one. Is this the song you said was the number? Yeah. One? Okay. And if this isn't, I'll be well shocked. You can if call me. If this isn't the... a number one, like. Nineteen eighty-six. You can call me Al. Got in the top ten. Yeah. Got in the top five. You can call me Al. Got to number four. Shut up. Number four. I demand a recount. <laughs> That's awful. No. 
Why? That's, where That's a to. classic. It do you is. know what though? So I've like I, I know it and I do sing along to it, but up until doing it this week, I'd never actually paid attention to like the lyrics. And I like when I was watching a video, I was like, "This is well random what they actually sing about." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, like, I'm just enjoying it, but obviously this week I've obviously had to put an opinion on it and really listen to it. And I was like, "What? This is so weird, actually." But it's so good. It's such a good song. It, it is was a my favorite. Yeah. Like um... obviously, we all know I try not to have my favorites the songs that I already know, but it couldn't not be my favorite. No. Graceland is my fa- other favorite though. You liked it as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed Graceland. Yeah, no, it is a good song, and the album is good. Mm. But yeah, a man walks down the street, he says, why am I soft in the middle now? Why am I soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. I need a folder <laughs> opportunity. I want sort of a redemption. Don't want to end Cover up a cartoon in a cartoon graveyard. Ooh. Russell Earl coming oh, in with the cover. Yeah, I can't sing no. Um, but yeah, I see what you mean about the yeah, uh, and it's got a, and the dogs in the moonlight. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just so. Mister Beer yeah, Belly, like Beer though. Belly. That's me. I, I haven't even got I a beer, like... but I've just got the belly. <laughs> I used to say that to my friends. My dad's got a drip, beer belly, and he don't even drink beer. Um, but I. The, the only reason I like recognised the lyrics or like noticed the lyrics was because the video actually had subtitles anyway. Like um, I put them on, That's, so I was like actually paying attention to the lyrics more than I would because they were there written for me. And uh-huh. I was like, actually, this is weird. Yeah, it is, and the call was so. If you'll be my bodyguard and I can be oh, your long lost pal, do 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 do. I can call Betty. Betty, when you call me, you call me out. Do call me out. Oh, it's 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 a classic. But it got to number four. We'll move on to an underrated single, really, of his. Um, I like it, but when you think of Paul Simon, you think of obviously either Simon and Garfunkel, or you can call me out. Um, but 18, 1986, The Boy in the Bubble, also from the Graceland album, didn't do that well in the charts either. You know, only got to number 26. But for me, it is a good song. See, for me, it's too slow. Like, I'm waiting for it to pick up. Like, I'm waiting. And I'm like, you're just not. But I don't know if it's because I'm comparing it to You Can Call Me Out. But then again, I listen to Graceland. I like that. Yeah. And then 1990, but I gave you this one just because I wanted to give you a a taste of his second album, The Obvious Child, got to number 15. Okay, well, I really like this one. I really like the drums in it, and it really shows off his vocals. It's calmer, so it's not as, like, up there, but I liked it. Yeah. Good use of everything. Yeah. Okay, so that was Paul Simon. Moving on to F.R. David. Yeah, I'm intrigued by what F.R. David stands for. I'm guessing he has actual name, but... Yeah, I was like, who called yourself that? Um, I have gone with Synth Pop. You gave me an extra song called Music. So I listened to that. Slow, full of beauty. Like, I really like the lyrics. Like, And I really just like what it's about. Like, just about music and how music impacts your life. And I'm like, I think everyone needs to listen to the song. Like, it's a really good song. He's got a lovely voice. Like, he's definitely talented. Um it's literally just him as well. Like he's there with a with a guitar. Well, 
whatever type of guitar it is, maybe bass, I don't know. But yeah, it's like just him. Like he is a musician. Um, in the video for words, um, simple video, he screams 80s when you look at him. Like he's got 80s look about him, like from his dress sense. Like he's not like the stereotypical 80s, but he's definitely 80s, like with the wide trousers and his hair. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, not what I'm saying. So just to let you know, music was released in 1983 and got to number 71. Well, again, I disagree with that. Like, that should be up there. It's a, that is. Like, I think that'll be one that I say to people, if you really like music, listen to this and you'll get a deeper connection yeah. to music. It was only in the week for, it was only in the charts for one week. And um, he only had two charts, he had to, only had two singles in the UK and words and music yeah. were those and obviously after that he so he's american yeah. then so we, you will find out here we go fr david is from ferryville french tunisia so he's french oh okay he's been active since 1963 they've all been around quite a while this Yes, and his his genre is Euro pop, synth pop, pop rock. Okay, thrown off with that one. So he was born Eli Robert Fitusi. So the FR I'm guessing comes from his name backwards, Fitusi Robert. Robert. Yeah, yeah. Is what I'm guessing. I don't know, but yeah. So he is better known as Fr David. I don't know where the David comes from, but there we go. He began his music career as Robert Fatusi, performing with French garage band Les Treffels, who after one EP they mutated into Les Boots, but achieved very little commercial success. Adopting his new stage name, Fr David. He went solo in 1967 and recorded some orchestral pop, including a version of the Beatles' Strawberry Fields Forever. Okay. In the early 1970s, he was a guitarist for Vangelis, who we've obviously oh, have mentioned, yeah. and yeah. even appeared as the vocalist on some of the early albums. David then joined French rock band Las Variations, appearing on their final album Café de Paris in 1975, which featured an early rock disco crossover called Superman Superman. After the band broke up, he went solo again. F.R. David is known for his personal trademarks of sunglasses and a white Fender Stratocaster guitar. Yes. I think he looks well cool. So his most recognised song is the hit single Words from 1982, which sold 8 million copies worldwide and topped the charts in Austria, Germany and Switzerland, as well as making number two in France surpassing a rival version recorded by 1960s hitmakers, the Tremolos, whose version only reached number 91 in 
So the song was written by Louis Sandy Yaguda, also known as Sandy Diane, an American vocalist who was a member of the band Jay and the Americans. So between 2010 and 2011, David went on a French tour of 52 concerts. Whoa! I didn't realise France has that many places. Uh, France is quite big. So, only one song. Yep. Got to number one in quite a lot of countries. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were just telling me that it got to number one just casually then. Released in 1983 in the UK, Words was in the top ten. Still looking for a number one, remember? Mm, got one left. Words was in the top five. Uh, it's gonna be. Oh no, nah, might be number two. Words did better than you can call me out. Got in the top three. Yeah. Words got in the top two. Come on, Dad. Nineteen eighty-three. Words like in France got to number two. Didn't quite reach the number one as it did in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. But still, you know number what? two is very good. It is. I think I'm going to be disappointed with whoever's the last number one anyway, because it was not You Can Call Me Out. Um, but I did words like music. The lyrics are amazing. Like It's good vocals. It's slow. At, oh, I forgot to say this at the beginning. I'm not very good with descriptive words this week. All I can think of with a lot of these songs is it's beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So I do apologise. And that's very... Um, I don't know how I feel about the fact that you've picked that up already. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was slow, but beautiful. Dad, these songs, they just did something else to me this week. <laughs> okay. Let's see how Richard Marks did then, shall we? Definitely got a bit of beautiful. Okay. Um, I've put pop of some sort. Don't know what some sort, but he's pop. Um, you gave me hazard. I did. So it's similar to right here waiting. So I feel like maybe he didn't do as well because his music weren't like varied enough. So I just let um, you know now. Hazard got to number three. Not over here. Yep. Then why didn't I have it? It was in 1992. Oh, okay, right. Okay, so it still did well. It is a and good that's song. What give you it to still listen to, but yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a good song. Um, he's got a really nice voice. Um, oh, and do you know what I also listened to just because I went on a bit of a thing because I really thought I knew who he was. Um, I listened to "Don't Mean Nothing," and that was rocky, upbeat, good, like a nice beat catchy so quite like 1988 that was released got to number 78 yeah. oh, okay that should have been higher i think um i think he's got a really good voice it's a bit of a shame that he didn't have any other hits really um just because i think he probably could have been up there but mm -hmm. i mean people obviously didn't like him and again rich Ox screams a bit of 80s looking like he just okay. yeah walking talking 80s man fine I mean, yeah, I could have given you Hazard to listen to anyway. I mean, I'd obviously said to listen to it. Did, but, um, yeah. yeah, that was um, that was a hit at number three in the 1990s. So I agree with that. Bear that in mind. 
Why am I bearing that in mind? That wasn't his biggest hit. Oops, shouldn't have said that. Richard Marks. He's from Chicago, Illinois, Illinois in the US. He's been active since 1980. Um, So again, much later um, than than, um, FR David, Paul Simon and David Bowie. Not as late, though, as Will Downing. Um, He is pop rock, soft rock. So it's more rock. Oh, okay. And to be fair, when I listened to Don't Mean Nothing, I was like, oh, this is a bit rocky. But because of Hazard and waiting, I was like, "Mm, don't think it's fully rock. But okay, yeah, I'll take it. So Richard Marks is an American singer-songwriter who has sold over 30 million, million albums worldwide. Wow. So, so no small fry here. No. Marx's self-titled debut album went triple platinum in 1987, and his first single, Don't Mean Nothing, reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Between 1987 and 1994, he had 14 top 20 hits, including three number ones, Hold On To The Nights in 1988, Satisfied in 1989 and right here waiting also in 1989. Marks is the only male artist in history to have his first seven singles reach the top five of the Billboard charts. He has scored a total of 14 number ones as both a performer and a songwriter producer as a singer his number one hits include hazard right here waiting hold on to the nights satisfied don't mean nothing keep coming back and now and forever with most charting at number one on either the adult contemporary chart or the mainstream rock chart Big in America. Yes. But again, I've not heard of him. But I did think, which is why I listened to Don't Mean Nothing, I was like, I swear I recognise this name. But like, I didn't actually know. So yeah, just breaking I it down. I did know right here yeah. waiting, just that you know, uh, but not uh-huh. until I listened to it. But yeah, I did So know just breaking it down, Hold On The Nights in 1988, that got to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Satisfied in 1989 got to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Right Here Waiting 1989 got to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Don't Mean Nothing in 1987 got to number one on mainstream rock. Keep Coming Back in 1991 got to number one on the adult contemporary. Hazard 1992 also number one in the adult contemporary and also number one in Australia. And Now and Forever in 1994 was number one on the adult contemporary. While Angelina reached number one in Canada in 1989. Angelina, by the way, in the UK only got to number 45. So, yeah, really big in America compared to here. So right here, Waiting is Mark's biggest hit, reaching number one in the US, Australia, Canada, Ireland and New Zealand. The single was certified platinum. The recording industry, so by the Recording Industry Association of America, 
It was also the UK's most streamed love song on Spotify ahead of Valentine's Day in 2013, 13 and a half years after its release. Wow. That says that you've made it, in it? When it's like really still getting the view, the like downloads and everything even now by people that would have never heard it before. Endless Summer Nights reached number two on both the Billboard Hot 100 and Adult Contemporary Chart in 1988. While Marx has also written or collaborated on songs with other artists, including NSYNC, This I Promise You, released in 2000, and Luther Van Dross, Dance With My Father, released in 2003. Dance With My Father. So when I was like on YouTube, the reason I went on to Don't Mean Nothing is because I was like, I recognise Dance With My Father. And the weird thing is, someone had on Instagram had posted a video and put a song over the top of it called Dance With My Father. And I saw Richard Marks Dance With My Father. I was like, oh my God, I know that song. Went back onto Instagram and it weren't. So I didn't listen to it because I thought it was a cover. And then I was like, maybe I'll recognise this next song that's come up. Don't mean that. He never released it, but he did co-write it with Luther Vandross. Right. Ah, Which so I didn't know, I have to say, and it's a good song. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, according to Billboard, Marx holds the distinction of having written songs that have hit number one on various Billboard charts in each of the last four decades. Mark's first number one came in 1984 with What About Me, which was recorded by Kenny Rogers, Kim Carnes and James Ingram. Mark's second chop topper was 1985's Crazy, a song he co-wrote with country music superstar Kenny Rogers. In 1986, Mark's contributed backing vocals to Madonna's True Blue album and can be distinctively heard on the track White Heart. While in 1991, Marks contributed backing vocals to Scher's Love Hurts album. In 2004, Marks won a Grammy Award for Song of the Year with Dance With My Father. Um, obviously, along with Van Dross, who couldn't attend due to ill health reasons. So Marks played the piano, accompanying Celine Dion in performing Dance With My Father, since Van Dross was not present. Luther Van Dross unfortunately died the following year from that illness. Aww. So yes. So Aww. Richard Marks only had yes. one hit. Re yeah. Well, t two hits over here. Well, three. Obviously, 1992's Hazard as I said, got to number mind. three. Well, 1992's Hazard got to number three. Um, you didn't have it because it was obviously um, from the nineties. He did have some yeah. other. Other hits um, in the 90s, Take This Heart, number 13, Chains Around My Heart, number 29, Now and Forever, number 13 in 94, Silent Scream, number 32, and The Way She Loves Me, also in 1994, got to number 38. But as far as the 80s went, he only had one hit. Let this be the number one. So... 1989, White Here Waiting. Mm -hmm. It was a number one in, well, the US, Australia, Canada, Ireland, New Zealand, pretty much all Everything. the English 
speaking countries. speaking countries. And you've still got a number one to have. I'll let it we, be this one. This one over we the came close with You Can Call Me Out at number four. We came even yeah, closer but... in 1980 with F.R. David's 1983's words at number two. Yeah. And Richard Marks be this one with 1989's Right Here Waiting. Yeah. Well, it was in the top ten, I can tell you that. Okay. And I can also tell you it was in the top five. Okay. I can also tell you it done better than Paul Simon's You Can Call Me Out, which got to number four because it got in the top three. And then you can tell me it did better than what's It did get in the top music? two, like FR David's words. <laughs> right here waiting. In 1989, in the UK chart, peaked at number two. No, it did not. Yes, it did. You're telling me Glenn Medeiros has got the Richard number Marks one. Richard Marks was number two with right here waiting. However, in 1990, he released Too Late to Say Goodbye. How did you, what did you think of that? What, too, what, right here waiting? No, Too Late to Say Goodbye. When did, did I, I give you that? Did no, I give you that? Did I just give you no. Richard Marks? Oh, what I gave you too late to say goodbye. No, you just gave me right here waiting. Oh, I apologise. I, I was going to say, like, what what song's that? I don't know why I wrote this one down then, because it only got to number 38. I should have given you Hazard as, as an actual one to listen to. Um, I don't know why I thought I gave you too late to say goodbye. That's all you gave me. Okay. Well, it only got to number 38. <laughs> right. Well, right here waiting. Guess what, Dad? Yeah. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh-huh. It was a classic, like, but I didn't know it. So, like, when I saw um, You Can Call Me Out written down, I was like, know that song. But when I saw Right Here Waiting written down, I had no idea still. It weren't until I listened to it that I was like, oh, my God, yes. Classic, beautiful. Um, like you say, like, it's a proper love song, isn't it? So yeah. I can I can understand why in 2013 it, you know, pushed itself up. Riveted all the way. Okay. Yeah. Last artist of this week, Glenn Medeiros. Yeah. So he's a bit different, isn't he? Um, very young, feel like he's quite innocent. I think he like changed it a bit. Um, with his song She Ain't Worth It with Bobby Brown, is very different to all the songs I've had. And mm-hmm. it gave me hip hop feels. So I don't know if he was in that type of genre, but I went with pop and hip-hop if he was in there. Um, she Ain't Worth It was very upbeat. Not a bad song at all. Like I say, just very different to everything I had and also very different to Nothing's Gonna Change My Love For You. Um, but, yeah, not much to say. Just okay. that. Like, and he was very young. I don't think he's British either. I don't know. Okay. Like, but I don't think he's American either. Like, he's, yeah, from some... Well, with a name like Medeiros, you know. So, Glenn Medeiros is from Lilu, Hawaii, US. Oh. He's been active since 1986, and he is known for pop rock R&B. Ah, yeah, should have gone with R&B. I forget about R&B, yet that was like my childhood. So I don't think of it in the 80s. Yeah. Medeiros, although born in Hawaii, he is from Portuguese descent. Okay. 
So Medeiros attended Leeward Community College and transferred to the University of Hawaii, where he received his bachelor's degree. He graduated from the University of Phoenix in Hawaii with an MA in elementary education. In 2014, Medeiros received a doctorate degree in education leadership from the University of Southern California. So hence, it sounds like he earned that. So yes, we'll let that exactly. <laughs> so although Medeiros is best known for his 1987 global smash hit, Nothing's Gonna Change My Love For You, a version of George Benson's 1985 release, which was written oh. by Michael Massa and George Goffin, oh, sorry, Jerry Goffin, although it was Medeiros' version which was the more successful, gaining yeah. number one in Canada, France, Ireland, Netherlands and Spain, as well as being number two in Belgium, Iceland, Norway, South Africa and Sweden. The single reached number 12 on the US Billboard Hot 100, while also reaching number one on the European Hot 100, which is the best sales of the all the, the, all the countries. countries in Europe. Yeah, um, yeah. So while also, uh, sorry, um, his follow-up single, She Ain't Worth It, released in 1990, co-written by Bobby Brown, Antonia Amata and Ian Prince, uh, reached number one on the US Billboard Hot 100, making it more successful in the US than Nothing's Gonna Change My Love For You. Although the single wasn't as successful worldwide, only making a top 10 in Australia, number eight, Canada, number nine, Finland, number nine, and Ireland, number nine. Okay, so that one did not do as well. No. It is very different, though. Yeah. So after his musical career, Medeiros went into teaching and taught as well as being vice president of Marinol School in Hawaii, or sorry, Honolulu, Hawaii. In 2015, Medeiros became the head of school principal of St. Louis School in Honolulu. And in 2017, he became the school's president and CEO. That, like, because he proper went to school, got everything in education. Yeah. Did, like, a, like basically followed a passion, did music, but went back to what he started with. Yes. I liked that. I like that. I quite like Glenn. Okay. Seems like a cool guy. Down to earth. He only had three hits in the UK. Um, 1988's Nothing's Gonna Change My Love For You was in the top ten. We know where Was in the top five. And as you know, we're waiting for a number one. This is it. 1988, Nothing's Gonna Change My Love For You was also a number one in the UK, as well as most other countries that I've already said. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'll take that, to be fair. It is up there. Again, I did recognise it. It's a love song. He's got really good vocals. Um, like, he really sings his heart out. It is on the same lines as Right Here Waiting, like, with, like, the beauty in it and, you know, what it's all about. So, yeah, I'll take that. So this come out the year before, the year, the year before, I don't know, as in this was in June. I can't remember when, um, 
right here waiting come out but so this was this came out before right here and waiting okay people had already had nothing's so, yes. going to change my love for you so right here waiting came and that mm, we've got one similar so then after that nine that number one he released yeah. long and lasting love and that only got to number 42 oh so he went right down didn't he so then he obviously went um changed genre Got in with Bobby Brown and released She Ain't Worth It featuring Bobby Brown in 1990. And that got to number 12. Okay. So, yeah. But I just think that was a complete change. Yeah. From like, but obviously I only listened to um, Nothing's Going to Change My Love For You. So I didn't, I only had them two to compare. Okay. So that, that, that brings us to the end. So now it's hit or miss. Yeah. So David, David Bowie. Bowie. It's a miss, Dad. He's not up my street at all. I can't believe you it. You don't like him that much. So don't can't believe it me. Well, I, I, I wouldn't say I did, but now I've listened to the music, no, I would I say I not. am a fan, especially, you know, as no. I say, Fashion, Ashes to Ashes, China Girl, Let's Dance, Modern Love. You know, there's some good songs there. And as I say, Absolute Beginners. And if you listen to some of his other stuff as well. Um, See, I like it now. Space Oddity, um, Starman, Heroes, and Sound and Vision. You know, I can't remember Life on Mars or whatever it's called. I'm not sure how that goes. Yeah, so maybe that's another one. I have a really good friend who loves David Bowie and she's my age. So, you know, if we're going off, like me personally, it doesn't hit with me. He's not going to, like, I don't think he'd hit with many people nowadays. I think it depends how you got brought up. But I do know of some people that do still listen to David Bowie now. So, but no, it's just not for me. Not okay. my type of music at all. Well, yeah. Uh, we'll move on to Will Downing. Right. So, absolutely lovely songs. And I did enjoy it, but a miss just because it's not like they're just very similar. So like you've listened to one, you've listened to them all and it's like they're lovely, but I don't think I'd go back. Okay. I think he should have done more and changed it up. Paul Simon. He's it. Oh, he's a great man. He is brilliant, I have to say. And I highly recommend the album Graceland. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you gave me the song Graceland. F.R. David. He's a hit. I could listen to that voice all day. Okay. Like, yeah, his voice alone puts it up there for me. Richard Marks. Another hit. Another hit. Um, and it's weird for me as well because I'm not like a slow, love songy person. But these songs this week, I don't know what it is about them. They're just to fall down. And lastly, Glenn Medeiros. Uh, put him as a hit as well. Okay. And I like him even more for going back into like going into his teaching. So I like him for that. Four out of six, but David Bowie is not. No. No. Another shocker like last week with Cliff Richard. Although I'm, I'm you didn't like over, Cliff Richard. I'm, yeah, I was gonna say I'm more shocked over David Bowie than I'm Cliff Richard because um yeah, I'm not a Cliff fan, really. Well, um, I'm not a Bowie fan, so... But you do need to listen to those others, whether you are one. I think you may like the other ones. I really do. 
Um, I I will give him a listen. So, uh, okay. I now need to give you next week. Next week. So, series four. Um, you may have heard of a few of these. I won't put it past me. Okay. Sir Paul McCartney. Yes. Know him. Peter Gabriel. No. We did mention him in the groups. Glenn Goldsmith. No. Steve Winwood. No. Lemal. Lemal, no. Well, we mentioned him in the groups as well. Wait, when I actually get to listen to him, I won't recognise who they are. But right now, the name, they probably were a backing singer. So who knows? And do you know how many groups I listened to? Do you not remember that episode that you told me? <laughs> and lastly, Eric Clapton. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> here are your six for next week. Paul McCartney, okay. Peter Gabriel, Glenn Goldsmith, Steve Winwood, Lamal, and Eric Clapton. Okay. Okay. So I shall get the songs to you for you to listen. And um, we shall return next week and see how you fared. And we will find out if one of the biggest known pop rock stars of the from the British Isles, Sir Paul <laughs> McCartney from the Beatles, is a hit or a miss. Yeah, we find out, won't we? Yes. Okay. I, can't, I can't i've not listened to like, i don't really know any of his songs like, i probably do but i've never like listened to him so okay it'll be be like this week see what i think okay see if it's another big that i do not like yes wow be three in a row yeah shaky's no, no, out there on his well. own yeah he is uh, okay all right <laughs> Right. On that note, mm -hmm. I will say goodbye. I will get the songs to you. There's quite a few from Paul McCartney, as you can imagine. Um, but yeah, but he wasn't known as in the eighties for his hits, so um, will be mm. interesting. So, okay. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll speak to you next week. You will indeed. Bye. Bye, Bye Dad. Bye. <laughs>